How's it going, everybody? What's up? We are uh, coughing and hacking from our Kentucky allergies, mm. but we have got a great guest today. We do. His name is Dan Bailey, Daniel Bailey. Uh, known for, you know, besides being freaking Father John Misty's MD and drummer, he has a <laughs> insane home drum setup. Uh, especially good follow on Instagram. He's a great Instagram follow, especially if you like uh, microphones and gear <laughs> and behind the scenes and all that kind of stuff. Um, but he's done work with Father John Misty, uh, Everest, you know, First Aid Kit, One Republic, Anderson East, John Foreman, B.O.B., Christina Aguilera. Come on. Uh, soundtrack tra- <laughs> credits, Handmaid's Tale, Hunger Games, Catching Fire, NBA, MTV, Discovery Networks. Holy crap. What's up, man? What's up? <laughs> how's, how's it going, man? <laughs> See, the thing, the trick is, if you just hang around long enough, you end up half being involved in a bunch of stuff. You know, that's. Oh, I'll, I'll have to take that note. I'm pretty good at hanging around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you just, I could take up space. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it goes, man. Yeah. Well, man. Uh, you know, I, you, you've done maybe one other podcast before where you kind of dove into this, but kind of for us, we are a bass player podcast, and. Sure, yeah. You know, that does extend into recording just because I'm a recording nerd and I love to mm-hmm. learn about that process. And drums are specifically f- very difficult to do right or sure. to do like the old records or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm always fascinated with that kind of stuff. But a lot of this is, is we'd love to talk about drums and recording drums, how you came to the yeah. drums, and also move to. How does that relate to bass? What do you like bass players to be like sure, as a drummer, yeah. like from that perspective? So, you know, just kind of like a top-down view, like what what got you into drumming? Uh, what got you into drumming professionally? Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I mean, it just kind of the 30,000-foot view. My, my dad was a local kind of regional musician. Uh, played in some like gospel bands in the seventies and eighties. Was was nice. a bass player, so uh-huh. some uh, some oh, time yeah. there. Perfect, but or is a bass player still plays? Um, and then it, he went to he went to school and didn't really pursue it to be a trumpet player. So he would play mm-hmm. like community theaters or like when bands would come in and hire a horn section for a night. He would do pickup kind of sight read mm-hmm. gigs. Nice, like my whole life growing up. And so like I just end up at rehearsals, you know, at mm-hmm. two three. And of course, if you're hanging out with musicians and you think they're really cool, when the drummer gets up from the kit, you're gonna go try to bang on it. That's what right, every toddler, <laughs> every toddler of all time has done. And then I just kind of, from there, like caught the bug. Mm. Was you know I had some kind of. I mean, this is pre-memory for me, but you know, clearly some kind of like immediate spark on the instrument. So my folks kind of went with that. Uh, the band had like a his band had like a practice room drum kit, so they let me have that and like. Mm put on headphones with records and just played along with every 1986 adult contemporary <laughs> record yes. there was every like Duran Duran record. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And then, and you know, because of that, my, my dad was a little bit plugged in locally, you know, professionally as a musician, be it, you know, like pickup bands or top 40 or, or hired gun gigs. And then, you know, grew up, he, you know, being a Christian musician, you know, like, mm-hmm. so I grew up in church. And so one of the only places you kind of get reps early you know, mm-hmm. seven-year-olds don't get to play in front of 2,000 people yeah. three times a yeah. weekend. You know, like, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, I got I got just super fortunate to have a dad that did that. The place we were attending needed a drummer. I was seven or eight and was good enough to do it. And nice. so, like... That's awesome. And and, and they had a, a more normal dude, and probably a dude my, my age now, probably about 40. But, like, this guy, Terry Smith, 
who I got to like kind of sit behind uh-huh. and like kind of learn the ropes. Uh-huh. And then when he wasn't there, I would kind of fill in and then it just, you know, life took him away and I was 10 yeah. and had nothing going on. So I'm going to play, you know? That's um, awesome. <laughs> and so like, yeah, I mean, that's obviously kind of a big part of the makeup because that'll beat the stage fright out of you real early. Mm-hmm, if you, yeah. you know, you, yeah. if you're playing in front of people at elementary school age. So yeah. Um, yeah. From then just kind of logical, progression like because it was church world i like like those are the kind of artists when i was 18 19 that wanted me to start going on the road or record mm-hmm. with them and so did that met all those folks uh you know not only through my own personal deconversion so i had to kind of for my own mental health get out of that world mm-hmm. um but also i i wanted to be involved in original music like all my favorite players are like steve gadd yeah. and matt chamberlain and brian blade like i i don't uh i I'm too ADD to like top 40 to be fun. You know, mm-hmm. just like, because I, I, it feels like I'm having to kind of do somebody else's work. And mm-hmm. so that never, I have friends that are, that make so much cash and are so good at those gigs and they just mm-hmm. were never for me. So it was like, I found myself at 25 with two or three of the gigs in that world you would want to have mm-hmm. and just miserable. Like this mm-hmm. isn't what I want to be doing. Nice. You know, it took me a couple of years to get out, but, or to to get up the strength to like, hey, I'm going to take 17 steps backwards financially mm-hmm. and get in a van and trailer and like go tour with bands that I like, you know, like yeah. with friends of mine trying to do it. Uh, so, yeah, around 2009 kind of started just back to square one. Like I want to be with people making their own music and, you know, had a, you know, and it's it's not nothing's a monolith when you're in church world. You get a chance to play on a record. You meet people that are out doing, you know, pop gigs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um so you you make the kind of relationships that open up those doors to change kind of career paths, uh, but but yeah, it kind of built up enough equity like that to kind of switch over slowly but surely, and then found my way, you know, along with a group of people that were trying to do a similar thing, you know, at mm-hmm. the time, and so ended up backing a bunch of the same artists as we all kind of exited, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know how it is, you meet one person on one gig, and then they call you for something else, and then they you get them on something, and Right. I just did that for a game of telephone for 20 years, you know, and just mm-hmm. you yeah. kind of end up one way or another, you know, you just you win the war of attrition by just not quitting. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and, and if you That's have awesome. a requisite, if you have a base level of skill and you can kind of withstand the how shitty your tw- your 20s are, like right. <laughs> you you can make right. it, you know, like uh Yeah, that's that so much of the like it's you know. it's the hang. Oh, it's hang and being cool, like being a good person to work with. It's the 22 hours a day you don't play when you're on a tour Mm -hmm. or like when you're in a session, it's like you're in a room, a small room with two or seven people for like 10 hours. Yeah. It's like, are are you like repulsive to be around? Like, are you, are you stepping on people's opinions? Are you too loud? Are you taking up too much space? Like that's, it's all that kind of social skills stuff that is really hard for musicians sometimes you know totally you don't have to be some like crazy charismatic whatever like people don't need to get in their head too much about like the hang no, but it's it, just it it's just literally be, like it can be you be who cool you are. just like yeah just, can you can you make small talk with people you just met like we're doing right nice. now basically yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? can like, you be nice yeah you just know? be a considerate person and you mm-hmm. know that goes a long way you know yeah, because everybody's kind of in it together too. Like maybe you had a really rough gig that night or whatever. Oh. everyone has to wake up and be groggy and drive away. Oh, and dude. like that's when yeah, you yeah. just have to be nice. Just be and nice. It's, well, and that's the it's it's so tough too. I mean, like especially like you know earlier on when you're when you're touring, like you know, say you're in a van and you're at like a 300 cap venue. You know, you're at the Casbah in San Diego or something, or or bottleneck in in Lawrence, Kansas or something. Um, 
it's just like keeping it together when you're 24 doing that, like those size venues is a, that is a Herculean effort. And there's a reason bands break up. <laughs> right. Um, totally, yeah. But really it's like, if, if it's so funny to watch, you know, now that I've been playing with, with the Misty guys for 10 years, it's, or, or the better part of it, it's, it's so funny to watch everybody have gone from like their very early thirties to their early forties because uh -huh. you just watch like, Oh, if you can withstand the, like, the stupidity of being 25 and just mm -hmm. grow into an adult, you know, and be kind of <laughs> mm -hmm. keep some kind of humility and some kind of like consideration for people. Like you can make the same group of people. You can find that, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, it's really that everybody can play. That's the thing. It like, I remember coming out of high school and going to like junior college and just being like, Oh, I am, I am not the big fish in the, in the pond. Like there are people that can play circles around me. I'm in way over my head. It's yeah. like, you realize that, it's not, I'm not the best drummer I knew growing up. You know, it's like I knew players that were way better than me at 20 that, you know, moved on to other things for one reason or another. Because mm -hmm. it's just the other, it's like, can you answer your phone? Can you answer right. an email? A hundred percent, dude. It's 20. just some people are so bad at that stuff. And it's just mm -hmm. like, if you set a calendar, can you do it? You yeah, know, like yeah. things that are, I mean, it's just antith antithetical to how musician brain works. But exactly. it's like, it's the people that can do both that are very mm -hmm. successful at it, you know. Yeah, I hear people call it like the music side is is just a a prerequisite. It's like, yeah, we we know you. Yeah, you everybody can, play. can do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's it's everything. It's else. funny. It's like, can you, and, and can you maneuver the business side? Can you negotiate a contract without burning bridges? Can you be, sure, yeah. you know, can you find nice ways to say, here's what I need, mm -hmm. here's what I would love to do this, but it's you know like, there's just all these things you learn to navigate, you know. But it's it all comes yes. down to just can you be like a reasonable person. Which, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, from history has taught us not all musicians are. You know, yeah. It turns totally. out, yeah, that's a huge thing. Like, you know, I do, I do uh, play bass with uh, an artist, Abby Hamilton. She's awesome. So there, there's a big nice. part of that. I'll do a little bit of TMing every now and then to fill mm -hmm. in, but it's the same thing. Like, getting back to someone really matters, and it seems oh, less yeah. common than you'd think. And that extends to when I'm when I'm home, I do freelance media stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a video guy. I just kind of fake it. But I can <laughs> sure. manage a video crew and mm -hmm. do like, you know, something, a boring corporate thing. And it's right. literally, I we keep getting hired for that stuff just because video guys are sort of like musicians where it's like, some of the super talented ones are not necessarily the guys that can manage a schedule very well. And sure. just being able to email back and text back and be nice and yeah. that 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 gets you rehired too. Like you don't oh, sure. you don't have to be the best. Well, can all. you can you make can you meet a deadline? Right. You know, it's just like because mm -hmm. it, it, it in all in everything creative is like you're, you know, like if you're playing on a record, like someone sends me a scratch vocal and a scratch track and something built out, but they want to put real drums. They can't move on to putting rhythm instruments on it until drums are done. So like yep. mm -hmm. if I tell them, yeah, yeah, I've got your three tunes. I can totally fit it in by Thursday. I kind of have to try my best to hit that, you know? Right. And or you, be the kind of guy of that's, that says I can't like, or I can't, or like, Hey, I can catch two of those. Mm -hmm. How can we catch the third one next Monday? Exactly. Yeah. I have a prior sure. commitment or, a, you know, yeah, you just, you, you, you kind of have to learn. I mean, time management is one and booking enough time to have mm -hmm. like I, I, I work at like a song and a half a day pace if I'm doing a full built out thing, because like, yeah, I can I can do if it's especially if it's like acoustic guitar and vocal and it's like a matchbox 20 thing. Right. If it's mm -hmm. something really kind of straight down the middle, I could do 10 of those in a day 
tambourine shaker, no problem. Like that's mm-hmm. four hours. Th- those mm-hmm. those songs are so ingrained. Like song structures like that are so ingrained. Mm-hmm. So piece of cake. But like I'm gonna miss phase issues. I'm gonna like. I should have done one more take of that third one. You know, there's always going to be things you're going to miss because you yeah. have the clock in your head. Right. So I'd always rather like, you know, my wife comes in like, yeah, I have time to go get a sandwich and come back in an hour. Let's totally, you know, I, I need a break or whatever. Right. It's right. that like learning kind of what pace and what conditions you do your best work at, you know, and, and like booking your time and, and financially asking for enough time to cover that, you know? Mm-hmm. No, uh, that's cool. But so, it's cause it, cause speed just isn't, I, I mean, I, I'm 41 and I grew up in a world where like Vinnie Calyuta played on this record one take on this song and that was like the gold Jeff Picaro one right. take it's like first of all bullshit second of all like that's not how any no because yeah. like the bass player messed up or the keyboard player right. messed up like right. someone it doesn't matter how good the players yeah. you're not first taking a song on a Sting record ever like mm-hmm. they're they're too yeah. crazy about how specific they are mm-hmm. um, and also like speed isn't the goal like mm-hmm. quality is the goal like so yeah you know, it's just just like anything. You want it, you want it fast, or do you want it good? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's sort of like someone, a, a drummer at your level too. It's the way you've built your studio, the way you've built your, you know, chosen your microphone uh, arsenal and your mm-hmm. all the drums you have and the way you tune, whatever. Like it's all very like they can hire you to get a lot of these perks that you only experience in the LA studios where they're taking, sure. you know hours to tune your drums hours to pick a snare hours to whatever and that artist gets that level of thought in tonal palette from you because you're at home and probably and with a a number that's slightly more convenient you know that's more convenient for them because they're not having to you know in today's day and age what what killed what what is killing not has killed but what is killing the big studios isn't the budgets overall it's that people want to work on one song at a time. Everyone's mm-hmm. chasing a single, then another mm-hmm. single, then another mm-hmm. single. People don't make records now. They might mm-hmm. work on three or five at a time, but they do them in these chunks or single songs where it's one thing to pay $1,300 to go to United B, or to, you know, it's $1,800 for the day, mm-hmm. and pay a $500 engineer and pay a player and have this like $4,500 day if you're going to do 10 songs or you're going to do mm-hmm. six songs. You can't spend $4,500 for one song. It just yeah. doesn't, yeah. And and those when the, they always try to think, people try to think like, well, we'll do drums ten to two, and then we're gonna do piano two to six, and then we're gonna that, that never works out because mm-hmm. there's always a technical nope. issue. Yeah, you have to hard reset every time. People have to take mm-hmm. lunch breaks. Like, mm-hmm. that's not a good use of your time if you're paying for a real studio. Mm-hmm. So what it came down to is like, wait, you mean I can I can you know there are drummers who are competent engineers and who have purpose built rooms mm-hmm. that you can hire for a all in one inclusive just buy a hard flat day mm-hmm. and like it's a it's a tenth of that cost mm-hmm. you know so like yeah it's 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 just how the songs are being marketed that's like crushing the studios like it, they're still spending the same amount per song they're just not doing it all at once and they're not doing it in an efficient way like doing multiple mm-hmm. you know like have a bass player in to do six songs pay him yep. once Yep. You know, you don't you just pay figure out a flat rate. You don't have to have mm-hmm. them come in six different times to do six different songs, you know? Yes. Because that will be his day rate six exactly. times. Yeah. It's 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 like a real like kind of long money, short money view of things. It's it's mm-hmm. and also if you're trying to trying to hit a target with one song at a time, is like the failure rate's pretty high. You would think mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, how many times have you heard about like a goo goo dolls that like slide or whatever the tune that was their first big hit was like the last track on a record nobody cared about and it got found later 
You know, it's like so nice. many times the tunes that break a band are like track seven. You uh -huh, know, it's yeah, like, yeah. or at least when we were growing up, it'd be like, that was the mm -hmm. one that caught and it wasn't the single they thought it was going to be, mm -hmm. you know. But so when you're aiming one song at a time, it's a pretty tough target, target to, you know, hit. And, yeah. it, and it prices out the like engineer and a player and a producer in a studio. It just mm -hmm. doesn't work when you're working like that, unless you're mm -hmm. Lana Del Rey or Taylor Swift. Right. You know? Which is a lot then of you industry can, Then you can spend there. a day, then you can do a day of song on drums and it's totally right. cool, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but that... People getting to that level can't... Uh, it's yeah. something to be aspired to, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's just such a convenience with finding these really talented uh, drummers, bass, bass players too, to an extent. Yeah, Honestly, absolutely. we have a, a major advantage that bass has widely been DI recorded for I am, a long time. I am so jealous when I see bass player buddies of mine doing remote sessions on off days in hotel rooms. Right. Just like... Uh, it just, you know, care, like, you yeah. know, multiple people carry like a good interface and like a great like tube DI in a three space yep. rack mm -hmm. and just like, and they'll knock out four tunes before lunch. It's like, mm -hmm. dang it. <laughs> That's cool. Exactly. <laughs> Wish that was in the cards. Because, and, and too, with like guitars and amplifiers and stuff, they're going to comp the takes and then close. they're going to reamp it. And then they're going to reamp. Yeah. And the if you're paying like a super legit mixer or a guy at a mm. at a nicer studio to mix it, he has all the tools to reamp it with the vintage Ampeg or well, the and, the whatever. And even if you're at the studio, they're gonna take a DI post pedal board before amps so that oh, they absolutely. have a clean. You know, so it's like yeah, yeah nine times out of the, ten they're gonna use it. Yeah, and and dude, things like uh, either you know guitar hardware. Uh, uh, oh dang it, my my old studio mate had a. Why am I blanking on the unit? But like a guitar emulation emulator, like a know, Kemper amp, or Kemper, an, there you go, or an Oxbox or something. Nice. Yeah, yeah, a Kemper that just like and it, it's even it's one of those things that like oh dude, this kind of stacks better too. Mm -hmm. Like if you're gonna do four guitar parts, like mm -hmm. not having the air of the room in it kind of makes yeah. them sit different, you know. Yeah, and especially in a pop context where you don't want the yeah. You want everything to be as immediate as possible and get out of the way immediately. Like that's DI sure. guitar sound, you know. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, drums. Drums are the uh, drum. Drums and like piano players are the odd man out. Because Piano's like no matter to, yeah. piano software will never be what it. It's the same as like drum software. It does not matter. It will never be a dude playing a kid. Mm -hmm. A piano player. A piano player playing an instrument sounds different. Feels different. It, it'll it'll yep. never be abs like absolutely replicable. You know. It's this. It's it's a resonating box. You're, you're, and and yeah, something room happens moving. in that, mm -hmm. like within the piano and within the room, you know. And it's yeah. e even if you pull up a really nice piano patch right now, it's it's almost recorded too good. That's the, that's it. Sounds fake. And yeah. the thing is, like, it sets a standard. Like, I hear that when people use these really slick sample packs, mm -hmm. uh, kind of inappropriately in their tunes, it sets a sonic standard to where everything else in the mix has to get to. So right. if your piano sounds too good, mm -hmm. but your drum kit is not recorded super hi-fi, it's going right. to like highlight how bad the drum kit sounds. And exactly. There's nothing you can do. Because totally it just, agree. yeah, it's just, yeah, this piano was, you know, I'm sure an amazing player, you know, was at Blackbird in Nashville for mm -hmm. 16 weeks and did every possible dynamic level. I'm sure, you know, this, the high-end software is incredible. It's just not mm -hmm. the same. You know, right. like a, the you know, it's like a drum kit. It's it's that people treat elements of a drum kit separately. It's like when I hit when you hit the floor tom on a real kit, it moves the snare drum. That's what mm -hmm. makes it sound real. If it only mm -hmm. if it didn't move the snare drum, now it's just samples. What's the point? 
yeah. you know, yeah. it's that stuff's easy to emulate. So it's like learning to record where you're kind of highlighting all that stuff that like proves it's a real kit is a real thing, you know, yeah. that's, Interesting. that's where people are going to see their value is like, Oh, they hired a human being to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, like this isn't a drag and drop sample pack, which again, amazing, you know, I'm on record, amazing tools, but not yeah. the end all be all for all things for sure. No, and when it's, layering and samples it's, is great too. And it's, it's really, great. when it's wrong, it's really wrong. Like it's yeah, very fish out of water when mm-hmm. it doesn't fit. It's very easy to discern even for like normies, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I do think that oddly in, in the age we're in, in music, I think a lot of people think they're actually, I'm not the authority on this, but I think people think they're getting away with the samples. I think they're thinking mm-hmm. like, dude, you'd never know. Or like, oh, this is the right thing. But there's always something that you know is not real like yeah the just i feel like with even the best of what i hear i can always sniff it out even in places that you're like oh there's no way it's replaced well and even when it's in and when it's you know say when it's a loop a pre-made loop those are obviously great placeholders for songwriting sure those are you know obviously like beck two turntables is a loop you know there are Mm -hmm. applications where loops are incredible absolutely Um, but you can tell when something's made for a song a la carte this was right, made for yes. this song. This w- I'm not going to hear this loop on 18 other songs of the other people who bought this this pack. Mm-hmm. Um, it's samples and loops are are such an interesting kind of mode because in their place I really like them. Like I, I posted mm-hmm. something today that I used like a gated verb clap sample on the two and four to right. stack on a drum kit to give it like a Prince kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's the applicant. You know. When yeah. it's there to fix a poor recording, that is a bummer. Exactly. When it is yes. there for a production choice, amazing. I have mm-hmm. I have my own samples or like I own a couple packs that I'll like pull individual elements from from time to time. Mm-hmm. But they're not being used as a fix. It's not a shortcut, you know. Exactly. Um, I think that's the difference. That's a great way to put it. It makes me think yeah, a lot of it, war on drugs and Of course. Like there's a they're layering drum loops. Yeah. And quantizing drums to it for a feel, mm-hmm. and it's not mm-hmm. because I I watched them live and was amazed at I think his name's Charlie playing Charlie's an amazing. it yeah. ju- like like it was amazing. And Charlie's they do a machine, it for man, feel. great. Yeah, I say it's and, not and a crutch, it is, it's not a cheat. Yeah. No, no, that's that's exactly it. If anything, it's harder. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, live, dude, especially. like I I uh, we moved uh, recently on a, on a tune. The only I think it's the only drum sample we have in the in the show there's a clap on on the tune hollywood forever sings uh-huh. that goes on with the with the snare drum and that used to be on a trigger uh i've moved it to an ableton session where it just it's basically on a on a grid and it's mm-hmm. so much more fun to try to lock in with a grid that won't right. follow you exactly. like if i yeah. mess up it is obvious like i have mm-hmm. to land the snare on that clap or like mm-hmm. you know people who have no business knowing music are like oh if something's what's going something's on up there yeah, right. <laughs> something, why yeah. is that flaming i don't even know what that is but i know i don't like it that's a good transition to um, <laughs> how is it going for not this is not don't take this as insult or whatever, but like some guys just play drum kit. Some sure. guys are playing drum kit and maybe in college they do marumba or piano or sure, whatever. And hack their way through some other instruments like I Right. Do. <laughs> so what what uh, did it take you learning a lot about chordal instruments to be the music director of someone like Father I, John Misty? I had a, a really, uh, a really good buddy growing up. Still, you know, still to this day, Tyler Chester, who plays for he's playing for Blake Mills and Maddie Cunningham, and, and oh, awesome, awesome I I'm obsessed with that dude. He is. He, this he sounds was my, extra I, weird. I met him <laughs> in like 
I met him at like 18. We were in each other's weddings. Like we go way, way, way. Oh back. my gosh, that and, dude uh, is a beast. We, I oh, love he's a monster. His our, our our paths have kind of diverged in the last 10 years, but basically the 2000s, I I kind of only played with Tyler. Like it was pretty. Wow, crazy. Oh, that's nice. beautiful. Um, but he's, I mean, he's one of those dudes. I've had a, the the pleasure a couple times of meeting somebody at like 18, where you know, like, oh, this is a dude. Like, mm-hmm. this is what meeting Justin Justin Mendel Johnson at 18 would have been like. This is what meeting, you know, this is what meeting John Paul Jones at 18 is, you know, uh-huh. like when you, st- when you start to like get that demystification, you just like, oh, these dudes are all players. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. These dudes I know are on the level of these guys, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's not magic anyone's doing. It's just hard work and yeah, kind of gift and, you know, and like, so it, it, all that to say is he was, he was such a good keys player and, and bass player and he was, you know, like starting up producing a lot when he was when he was young, and I played on all that stuff. And so I got to be in the room and learn what, like, oh, he, what's a minor two? Oh, mm-hmm. we're an E. That's an F sharp minor. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like I started to kind of between that and college, you know, music theory one, two, and three, mm-hmm. kind of putting together like, oh, I being able to hear these changes. Oh, the second time we go to the six, there's an extra bar of the five before the chorus. You know, mm-hmm. like being able to hear pop changes completely it's the cheat code to being able to play any song without knowing it. Absolutely. It just, nice. you can feel like, oh, there's an extra bar of five. That feels like a lift before the chorus mm-hmm. or like, oh, weird. They started the bridge on the four. That means like, that's, yeah. that mm-hmm. needs to feel a certain way. Um, th- I just through him and, and a, a couple other buddies I was playing with at the time, I, I got kind of, I got to observe more talented schooled musicians while I was also mm-hmm. trying to go and failing. And, <laughs> and so yeah, and you know, I hack around on enough on piano and bass and guitar to to half be able to fake like I know what I'm doing. Um, That's great. But which I think is super imp- any any time play, playing literally any other instrument if you're a drummer is the best thing you could do. Like pick up a guitar, piano, bass, literally doesn't you know keys, mm-hmm. just play something, play trumpet, play something totally. else. You know, it totally helps your you know, yep. get out of your like kind of drum centric view, you know? Yep. Um, but I'm kind of doing the opposite. I'm trying to learn a little bit of drums because <laughs> sure, I, yeah, I yeah. find myself kind of held back by the constant fills I do or the beats I, or, you know, the well, feeling it helps I you play. Communicate with, it helps you communicate with drummers too. Exactly. You, like the more, yeah. the more vocabulary yeah. you can have for other instruments, it helps the communication, you know? Exactly. So like exactly with, with the band, it's kind of an interesting thing because we're we're certainly this is not a you know sometimes an MD means that the artist hires the MD and the MD is tasked with staffing the band, rehearsing the band. The right. artist might show up mm-hmm. into a rehearsal, might not. Right. That is not our situation. Like a, a nice. dude man is very hands on, knows exactly what he wants. Love um, that. Which is fantastic. Just mm-hmm. please, just tell yeah. me what to do, and I'm I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. So and because of that, like it's. With our band, it's way more of just like an administrative position. I'm the like point man for the band. Hey, tour manager needs everybody here at this. Okay. You know, like, hey, do we have all the gear? It's, it's all the storage unit gear. You know, talk to the production manager. We got, we're all good there. Everybody's, you've talked to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, you know, hey, Dave, what do you, do you need two amps for this one off? You know, like just. Exactly. But as far as musically, like. What am I, I'm I'm lucky enough to be in a band with all these, like, just a murderer's row of indie rock musicians, right? So what am I going to tell them about playing cool shit? Right. You know, just yeah. like, this is like, please, the like. there. It's, it's, it's like producing. So much of producing is you made your choices when you hired. Exactly. If you hire the right people, they will get your project to where, 
you know, don't hire somebody and ask them to do something else. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah, always that's a, a, a clearest way to fail in music. Mm-hmm. In music is hire people for the thing they're good at and let them mm-hmm. and let them run. You know, that's why you're paying them. You know, yeah. um, so for me, it's like we're certainly all the band members are are equal members and been the same guys for ten years and. But nice. it is like, especially when we're doing these orchestra things, like I'm the dude in the band that can read a little bit. Yeah. John, John, our piano player, he's the newest, uh, the newest member, still been around six years now, but he went to conservatory for piano. So he, we also added nice. like another heavy musician, dude, mm-hmm. uh, much heavier than me reading and stuff. But like at some point we started doing orchestra shows and it was like, well, we need some, you know, I grew, I went to college doing orchestra stuff. So like, I'm aware of, nice. yeah. I followed conductors before mm-hmm. I know how to, how to, you know, yeah. To, you know, hey, we're going to pick up at 79 mm-hmm. second time. You know, like I can read a chart. I can, you know, things like there that. There is a lot so, of strings and it's almost going, it, it, well, to me, it seems like the music so is going more without. strings. Yeah, it's, 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 I mean, it's a very like maximalist kind of orchestral right. kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, kind of 60s big wall of sound yep. approach. That's all our favorite records. So, uh, you know, it's, and to do that, it just takes, there's a lot of moving parts and, mm-hmm. uh, but it just, yeah, it's just one of those things like, how do I make sure these dudes have what they need to, you know, to succeed? But otherwise, yeah. like, they're they're all nice. incredible players and know this music like the back of their hand, and you know, like, totally, they're they're monsters. It's like anything I would tell them would make them worse. <laughs> so like, <laughs> it's not it's not that kind of MD position. Uh, as well, far as that yeah, goes. nice. But but when you think about it, like, who's kind of better equipped? Like, mm-hmm. there are often times where the the thing about the band, like you just talked about you know, because of strings and orchestra and stuff, horns. And there t- if, a, if a chord is an E-flat minor six, it better be an E-flat minor six. It's not mm-hmm. just an E-flat minor. Like, right. it has to be voiced correctly. Mm-hmm. And because partially is like, I don't... You know, you get... At some point, at least I did, I got to a level of comfort on my instrument where I don't think about playing drums anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm completely active listening. I'm like, eyes closed half the time. Like, I'm just not... I'm not thinking about what I'm doing because I played these songs 1,200 times. Right. Like mm-hmm. I'm kind of listening to what's going on, and because I'm because I'm not responsible for any notes, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, tonally, mm-hmm. I'm usually the one who can hear when they're rubbing, because yeah. none of them are mine. You know, just right. like hey, right. who's got third change in the bridge? Like, are we voicing that? Hey, John, can you like mm-hmm. play play your block chord and like make sure you like yeah. what's bass doing? What's okay? Oh, yeah. there was a you know uh, uh, a Mellotron thing was like oh I got a, the six right? You know, like, yeah, yeah. You're just like the smallest little tweaks, but like sometimes drums are kind of uniquely positioned and center of stage you're in the middle of everybody i'm kind of up on a perch i can see Mm -hmm. everything Mm -hmm. like i'm already calling the show it kind of feels like being like an offensive coordinator in football or something like Mm -hmm. it's like all right dave's switching guitars okay like what john's taking a water break josh is Mm -hmm. back here like switching guitars with the tech like all right so it's i'm trying to time like the the cue for the next jam like as he's going to be at the mic you know those kind of things that like drums are kind of specifically yeah I totally to agree. do you know uh transitions but, are so important for that oh f- it's it's what makes a show feel professional Correct. it's just yeah. like not a lot of like looking around lights up you know hopefully it's like dim stage you can't see what's going on we're like there's so many guitar switches so many like patch switches on keyboards and stuff mm-hmm. it's just like that's the stuff that like playing the tunes you come out of like the second show of the tour you're like r- ripping like it's right. the after rehearsals you're in the tour it's it's going great it's the transitions are what mm-hmm. get fast and get smooth it's like mm-hmm. where you start like you're into the song i already like subconsciously know the next tune i know i'm going to hit the last chord and swap to the next guitar that i already know what i'm doing you know mm-hmm. it's that kind of stuff that like being on the road 
really yeah. tightens up with a show. And that's the difference of like, when you see a band that's really slick with, and especially one that doesn't use, you know, sound design or some kind of distractionary tac- tactic, when right. it, like Nick Cave or something, when a band is incredible, Elvis Costello is really good at this. Like the like banter is like perfect. The, you know, it's like the tune starts up right when it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Like that's the stuff that I that really, I really like trying to chase. That like that's a perfect show. It's not the playing anymore. It's it's mm-hmm. just like, did did everybody have a good night and did it feel like it had momentum? We didn't have any hiccups or you know that kind right. of stuff. Man, but, I love that. Yeah, yeah it's, that's kind of. Awesome. I mean, that's that that's the kind of nitty gritty MD stuff. Is like, how did the show call go? Okay, you know, like yeah. did did all the songs start and end correctly? Great, you know. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, tell us about um, tell us about your room, the the studio yeah. you built. Uh, I guess I'm assuming at your house. It is it is at my place. Uh, when we were looking for in in, in 2020, you know, like uh, my lease at the I had a commercial space I shared with with a buddy, mm-hmm. and the lease was up again, and the guy wanted to raise the the lease again, as you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is right pre COVID too. This is like February, mm-hmm. right? And so we're like, do, but the, the room needed more treatment and like the bathroom was having an issue that he didn't want to deal with. One of those, like, are we going to invest money in a place we don't own? You know, that seems like a good way to just burn Mm -hmm. money, burn a pile of money in front of the place, you know? Um, and so it was like, well, if me and my wife had a little condo thing, little tiny place we bought when we were first married and it was like, well, I shouldn't be doing, this should just be one thing. Like this shouldn't be two expenditures. I should figure Mm -hmm. out how to do this at home and not have a commute mm-hmm. and not have all those extra, you know, considerations and stuff. And there's tax um, breaks for that too. <laughs> there's tax. I get to write off a percentage of square footage yeah. and some, some of the utilities. It's, it's fantastic. You know, this is, as far as they're concerned, this is my rehearsal room. You uh-huh. know, like I don't, I don't call it a studio for that reason for, right. Uh, but it is what it is. It's a, you know, it's just so I don't bug my neighbors so I can tour rehearse and stuff. Exactly. If nothing else, you know? Um, but my so when we were looking for places, I, I like kind of had my buddy Matt Walker with with Western Acoustic Design who did did the space. I mm. uh, was kind of talking to him like, "Hey, what should I be looking for in a garage? You know, mm-hmm. is detached better than attached with split slab? You know, like what's the what's going to be the best outcome?" And we found this place and had a two car garage with slightly higher than normal ceiling for a one story. And he uh-huh. was like, "That's there's our move." You know, yes. um, so yeah, he built this summer of twenty twenty, so coming up on three years, which is crazy. Uh, but yeah, basically just went to him. He's, he's such a sixties recording dork that he just like, if you follow him, you know, Western acoustics, uh, Instagram, it's mm-hmm. just photos of like, this is, you know, uh, uh, you know, this is a Sonny and Cher session from 1967, nice. you know, with, uh, yeah. with this dude on guitar and this guy yeah. engineering at, at, at Western two. And it's like incredible, you know, like knows all the, uh-huh. what console was in what room and what the like kind of design language was and uh-huh. so like all my favorite drummer sounds are, are all 60s 70s so i was like how do i get a room that like performs mm-hmm. like those spaces you know not super tight not like really exaggerating the bottom end like a lot of right. modern rooms kind of do uh but just kind of a flat kind of flat response box that i can you know then mm-hmm. choose to do things in you know and uh so he built this and it's i think it's like Something like 19 by 15 by nine foot ceilings. Nothing, mm-hmm. you know, basically the biggest thing you can fit in a two car garage. Right. Uh, right. But framed it out and I can play drums at three in the morning and neighbors can't hear. And that's awesome. As long as, as, long as I'm not really, as long yeah. as I'm not really wailing. Right. Just it's, it's, you know, the, the neighborhood we bought in the, the, 
it's it's a house from the 50s so the houses are a little more spread out than they would mm-hmm. be built cool. now so like instead of having maybe you know 10 feet to the house next door i have like 60 mm-hmm. so like oh, wow. as long as i'm not like f- as long as i'm not like foo fightering right. i'll be fine you know i'll be fine like i'm not Wait, I'm, so you're not the new drummer of the food i, I am not kidding. no <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that finally came out because i right. like la's been sitting on that one for a second Every, <laughs> uh uh, they're they're gonna be. We get to play with them in Outside Lands grow, coming up, and Josh is gonna be. He's he's so oh. unbelievable, man. He's so good. That's like that. Awesome. That's so that's so the right pick for them. That's such a steady hand mm-hmm. to get them back going the right way. You know, like yeah. That's he's gonna be. They're gonna crush. That's I get to crazy. see them at Bonnaroo in a couple weeks. We oh nice. We got. I can't to wait the, to hear Josh and Nate together. Yeah, because I love yeah, Nate's bass yeah. playing. So like that'll he's be. He's really a monster. Fun. A completely a mo- slept on monster. One Absolutely. of those dudes that is is, un- you know. I get maybe that's what you get from being the last great American rock band, you know, like they're the yeah, banner holders, sure, you know, right. so like maybe you get and it's it was such a I mean, Dave and Taylor are the recognizable dudes in that band, you know, like mm-hmm. maybe but Nate Nate's bass playing is I mean, back to like Sunny Day. I mean, it's just like one of the yeah. all timers, man, like one of my favorites. Absolutely. No, I feel like he's never on the list of, uh, you know, rock and roll bass players. Like melodic rock bass players. Like great melodic rock bass players. But also should be way up on tone, man. He doesn't have... Oh, sounds are always... I mean, he can't miss on tone. Like, I mean, it's it's iconic, dude. What's that song off the color and shape? Enough Space. Do you guys know that track? No, Mm -hmm. I don't It starts off with this... It, it's gross. You you gotta listen to it. But it's this it's this incredible tone. Oh, that might be Dave tone actually. Regardless, whoever yeah. played that's great. But his tone, <laughs> even in the newer stuff, is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm such a I'm such a sucker for a P bass and a and a pick eighth oh, yeah, notes man. and just an amp turned up on eleven is just oh yeah like yeah. like a tube SVT just through the you know yeah. dimed out. That's such sure. a sound. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's a great sound. So like, what a tonal tonal preference. I know it. With basses too, it might not be something you think about. It may be something you think about. Sure. Father John Misty has kind of a specific vibe mm-hmm. yeah, that yeah, might yeah. be darker, thuddier, mutier, whatever. Yeah. Like what? What are you looking for when you hear in a bass player or hiring I, a bass player? When I, you know, when I get the when I get the off chance to refer somebody, you know, or whatnot, mm-hmm. you know, that that's a total consideration because like, like in a very similar way, like Father John Misty uh, uh, has become built around the way I play drums. In the same way, like Eli is the bass player in this band. Like that mm-hmm. that dude, the 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 personality of the band is his bass playing. Like mm-hmm. largely, like mm-hmm. it's just nice. He's such a he's such a melodic player. He tr- he he you know toes the line towards busier, but like it's always in a in a musical way or like mm-hmm. serving some moment in the thing. Mm-hmm. And you know some of that. I I used to be more of a a strict kind of originalist on things, mm-hmm. but some of that like some of that additional stuff is just like it's what makes it feel like you're not sitting there listening to a CD being played back. Exactly. It's just like oh no, they don't do that on the record, or like that right. part isn't near that big, or that part's been kind of rethought, or like oh they revoiced chords in that second verse that aren't on uh-huh. the. You know, like it's those kind of things that like, and and we're given a pretty big sandbox to like. Mm-hmm. play around in like uh it's good dude dude is not a is not a micromanager in that i maybe get like eight eight or nine notes in a 30 show tour and nice. it'll be like hey can we go back to the the fill on the from the record going into that second chorus i missed that like yeah, yeah. of course for sure like right. uh you know and it's always little stuff like Hey, maybe like uh, remember the ghost note thing, or like, hey, can you not play ghost note? You know, you're kind of slipping uh-huh. into playing ghost notes mm-hmm. there, as is my uh-huh. tendency. You know, like 
just but that kind of it's just small stuff and it's like oh yeah of course of course you know so like eli is is given you know like like we all are a lot of like leeway to mm-hmm. kind of if if the show's feeling like we're really digging in more you kind of have to go with that you know 100 percent. but his his playing is yeah i mean he's he's such a fan i i've the whole time i've been playing with him since 2005 or so off and on uh He's been playing those Gibson Les Paul recording basses, which which is such a specific oh, yeah. sound. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. So some of that's his tonality, and he's just kind of he has kind of a big burly guy bass sound, like it's kind mm-hmm. of woofy and low, and always a little overdriven. And uh, those are so but, cool. But also, it's just the kind of it's it's a tube head with that bass is just kind of that sound, and it interacts yeah. that way. Yeah. And you can, he kind of knows how to ride the controls in such a way to kind of get a whole bunch of different tones out of it, and mm-hmm. so. Yeah, it's one. Well, he plays a bunch of upright on the gig now and stuff because there's so many nice. like jazz standards on this last right. record, yeah. you know. So like a lot of that and uh, would be would be a very fun bass gig. I mean, it's a very fun gig on every instrument just because yeah. you get to cover so many genres. But like, yeah. would be a very fun bass gig for sure. That's and he awesome. and he is and he's like one of those things you just kind of can't imagine anybody else doing it. Like he's the dude, you know. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's perfect, especially again with you guys playing together for so long. You yeah, kind of have yeah, to have been for have that fifteen years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a band you have on lock. That's a band that it's like you get a little nervous if you have to get a fill in. You get a little nervous if you know. Yeah, it's and it's happened a time or two. You know, like you of know, course. life stuff. Like you know, someone's yes. having a kid, or you know, yep. like so we have a, a sub or something. But it's happened so infrequently, and that ha- and you know, no band has lineups for a long time so the fact it's you know right. it's it's obviously this a sign of something going well you know so yeah yeah uh, definitely but it, i mean it's 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 such a great like i'll tell anybody who will listen like i'm never leaving man like this is these are like <laughs> right these are my buddies i love these tunes I, I i love the music like i love that first record before i was ever involved mm-hmm. it's just yeah. like it, it's one of those like when you find your 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 thing you don't leave you know you, you find the mm-hmm. place you plug mm-hmm. in correctly it's like I know enough to not, you know, to not have wandering eyes, you know. How do you manage the touring music responsibilities with whoever art, whatever artist you're traveling with? And it seems like you record quite a bit at home. I, I'm lucky to, enough to have a pretty steady stream of like, you know, yeah. it's they don't usually backlog. It's ne- I'm never looking at like I have to do nine things. It's always like. Oh, I have two things, and then by the time those are done, like another one, you know, it's just kind of one that's at a time, perfect. Oh, really two cool. at a time. Yeah, uh, you know, so it, most times it, it hasn't it hasn't been this like I get home from a tour and I have twenty eight things I have to do. Okay. It's like I kind of let people. So obviously the the, the touring comes first because they set mm-hmm. the, the calendar, and so once I have those dates, then I can go like I can let you know people I work with frequently go you know hey we're going out February and April. I'm not going to be around, but like. You know, the other months, if I'm like, if you look at our, our tour schedule and we don't have dates, I'm home. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I've reached the point where it would have to take something pretty special for me to leave home outside right. of this context. Like I, I am, I am like a, a home buddy who loves that touring buys me time, time at home basically. Exactly. Um, yeah. So like, Same. so it's, it's one of those. And with, you know, I've got a seven year old and a 13 year old now, it's like kind of peak kid yeah. age, you know, I got to kind of be around as much nice. as I can and. Um, but you know, once I have that schedule, I just kind of, yeah. And you, people, you know, you'll see me if you follow me, like with two weeks left on a tour, I'll go like, Hey, I'm back this date. Yep. I'm around May 28th to July 2nd. Like hit me, you know, hit me up if you need yeah. something. You know, Cause people don't know if you don't tell them, you know, that's the, exactly. I, I hate self-promotion as much as I'm a chatty dude. 
<laughs> I just, I don't like telling people what I have going on because that can right. be taken such a bad way, you know, mm-hmm. but at some point it's the, it's the real, like, they don't know if you don't tell them, exactly. you know, you have to let people know what you have going on. And that's kind of the purpose of a social media in the first place, you know? So exactly. Sure. Are the people you're working with, are those usually like you kind of, you're letting producer friends know, is that where some of that is feeding to you or artists or is it like an email list or is it a... No, no, it's it's just, uh, I mean, I was lucky enough to, because now if you're coming up now, there is no option whether or not you can, you need to be able to record yourself. That's right. it's absolutely mm-hmm. part of the gig now that the, the economy has changed in, in the music landscape, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was lucky enough to, that wasn't the case. I caught the tail end of tape of uh-huh. like hard disk recording wasn't, an, it was ADATs or tape. Nice. So... What, uh, to, like 1997 is probably the first time I played on something. So like kind of right at the, the, the birth of Pro Tools, right? Uh-huh. And so I got, to, I got to like experience what it is to like, oh, you have to be able to punch yourself on tape. Can mm-hmm. you punch playing ride on tape where there is no fixing that? You know, like, and you don't even get infinite shots at it. You right. get like the tape's going to degrade and you'll really hear that if you splice yeah. multiple times. So you really have like two shots and ideally if it's one, you know? And so, like, getting, being able to do that and work with, you know, producers that had that, producers that had that skill set, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, dudes who had worked on, you know, in the 80s when it was, every reverb had to be, like, an actual, there's no plugins. There's no, like, mm-hmm. oh, we printed it too wet. Mm-hmm. It's right. like, no, dude, that's, that sound that's is on tape. That is, that is what yeah. you have now, you know. So getting to, like, do that until about 2009, 10, when I started recording myself, mm-hmm. you know, getting... 13 years of being being able to be in like a control room with a good engineer just like over his shoulder hey is like oh why why is the what's with the second kick mic oh what's with the bottom snare oh to get the snare active okay yeah oh yeah those are probably those are likely going to need to be phase inverted oh i see why you do that you like hear the right. difference you know like yep. mm-hmm. having somebody walk you the same stuff i'm trying to impart i mm-hmm. i was dumb lucky enough to get taught firsthand in a control room mm-hmm. so uh you make a great effort on social media to teach other people that too thanks like that's very appreciated by someone like me. Oh man, it's thanks, man. I, I just it's not it's not like our you know obviously. In order to document and you know just like taking lessons from anybody, there has to be kind of compensation in order that sure they can take the time and make the thing or or right. take the time and teach the lesson, but like, so much of that is just like, it felt so gatekeepery before where it was mm-hmm. like oh there's all these tricks you don't know or something. Yep. No, man, everyone's doing the same stuff. Like, here's what I've seen done. Any good engineer will go like, oh, yeah, you can totally do that way. There's also these other three ways to do that same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, pick the one that's the best application for what mm-hmm. you're, you know. There, there, I just saw too much like, this is how you do this. If you don't do it that way, you're wrong. And right. it's like, well, I've seen like dudes with Grammys engineer drums 28 different ways. So, uh-huh. yeah. you know, these and these are all like best engineering Grammy winners. Like what's so that tells me that like. A dude with a really loud social media account maybe shouldn't be listened to on something like that, you know? <laughs> totally. Uh, and and it just, just, just kind of seeing, you know, being able to see that there was no right way. There's, there's no one way to do this. Yeah. It's and an that art. like, and the ways that like the way Glenn Johns figured out that overhead setup was to mess with stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna happen into things that are, and of course you're gonna discover things that have already been discovered. You know that yeah. happens all the time. But, but that like curiosity and trying stuff is so much of the the whole thing you know (laughs) that's that's great um when you're doing a lot of these recordings do you go in it 
thinking, okay, I'm also going to add pedals to this. I'm also going to add shakers or what, or do you just let your feel guide you or what they're yeah. asking for? So usually, you know, usually a producer or, or the artist will be like, Hey, you know, here's, the, here's the tune. Here's like three or four songs where I either like the drum sound or I like what the drums are doing, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of the parts or I like the approach. I like what they're, what, what it's, you know, I like that they really drive the song or I like that the, the drums in this particular tune really like nail the nail the the beat to the ground so it doesn't rush away, you know run away with you or something like see so you, you kind of work with them to figure out like okay is it is it the sonics you like about this is it the playing you know you you kind of decode right. all that and then from there you know it's usually if they're hearing something and the references are like Tame Impala and Van Shee and and you know uh uh, you know, OCD sound system or something, L- LCD sound system, sorry. Like, if it's something like that, you kind of know where you're going, you know, like, right. or mm-hmm. we we really like, a, you know, neon trees. It's like, cool, you know, like, let's do something like that, mm-hmm. you know. And then you kind of work backwards because you're never trying to, like, copy. It's, it's just like, pull. what's the palette? What's the, like, sure, textures right. we're going to pull from? Like, oh, there's a sequencer. So there's probably going to be some kind of sequencer element. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, there's percussion. Okay, so there's going to be some, like, kungas on this or something, you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um is it usually yeah, the you click? Sh- yeah, oh yeah, it, it's almost always unless it's a real free form. I did like a jazz brushes thing a couple months ago that wasn't on click, but of, it's almost yeah. always on a grid of some kind. Sure. Nice. Um just because they're going to go back and replace elements and without sure. a starting mm-hmm. point, you know, what's, you know, yep. you're kind of stuck. Um Yeah, and so from there it's, you know, I usually the first thing I'll do is like get the sound together where I'll send them like a take where I'm just fighting to get through the tune and I'm just like, here's the sounds I'm hearing. Don't pay attention to the parts. Uh-huh. Like these are the sounds. Do you like these sounds? No. Could the snare be lower or higher? Whatever. Great. So like send them another one. Once you get the sounds nailed down, then it's like, okay, so patterns, let's talk about like what they're doing. And so I, I like to try to like kind of knock things out one at a time and not trying to be talking about the drum sound and the drum right. part at the same time. You know, that's interesting. Are, so are they like semi on call or are you having conversations yeah, during so, a lot of this? So people, a lot of people do that like kind of file sharing kind right. of live thing. I don't do that because it feels like it's like doing this, but also having to record. Exactly. Like, how am I going to entertain? Yeah. And also like, I'm going to miss that. I like, oh, the gain gain setting on that was terrible. You know, like, right. Why is the left overhead eight dB quieter? You know, like, oh, I, I bumped the knob and never saw it. You mm-hmm. know, like, uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's that thought of like, you have somebody looking over your shoulder. Like I, I kind of love to like go in the lab and just cook for a bit. Right. You know, just like, See hey, give happens. me the tune. I'm going to work on it. Hey, does Thursday work for you? Great. I'm going to probably start around 10 a.m. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then like, they know by noon I'm going to have a sound sound thing for them. By one, we'll probably have the first take. You know, and then we'll start. Once, and once giving time, you feedback that day. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, you know, bounce mixes and just t- a have a text thread going. Well, nice. and text Perfect. is the, the other thing, like video is, I, I also can't take notes. So like, mm-hmm. if I'm trying to like move a mic or like think through a part while you're talking to me, I'm going to forget what you're, you know, like, whereas if it's in a text thread or email or text, like I can go back to like, oh, right. The second chorus at 17 seconds, they didn't want to crash there. Okay. You know, right. whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like you can go back and like, right, right, right. And like checklist. Okay. I fix this. I fix this. I fix this, you know? And do so you, you don't have to, to give waste a lot time, of, you know? yeah. Do you try to give a lot of full takes or do you do I, some of your own punches or I try to do, I don't, I don't comp too much. Uh-huh. So I try, I try to give, I think that's the 1997 in me. I try to give people full takes. Yeah. Because well, I think hard that to there comp is, drums. 
and it, and it's hard and it's it's hard to remember like dynamically where you were what mindset you were in five minutes ago exactly to make yeah. the snare sound exactly the same mm -hmm. like that's something that I feel I'm pretty good at, but that's thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of hitting the snare the same way yeah. and being really mindful about like, I am at a six and a half right now. Remember mm -hmm. that this is a six and a half next time we come back to this chorus, mm -hmm. you know, like, so that in between takes, it's not like you have a raging take and then one where you exactly. were really mellow. It's like, you should kind of find the level then repeat that like mm -hmm. dynamically, uh, and but if yeah, you I, had I crash differently, like something's resonating and you jump into yeah, a punch you, and it's not resonating. Yeah, exactly. Or you hit the other symbol, the last mm -hmm. take, and so it like you have this weird like shwa and it's happening over yeah. here. It's just I you know, I have no I don't get offended when people comp because of course, like maybe they love sure. they love take two, but they love the fill from take three. Mm -hmm. Like that's totally great. Like pick yeah. it's all yours. I, I'm just gathering the produce, cook whatever you want with it, you know? But mm -hmm. But it's it, again, it's just like sampling. Like I don't want them to have to do that. If they're having to, if they have to comp a take, I didn't play well enough. Mm -hmm. Like this should be every take I send is a start to finish, or like it's unacceptable to me. But that's mm -hmm. my my own kind of uh, uh, you know internal stuff. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, man. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, we'll kind of do like a recording rapid fire really quick uh you've been super helpful for, to me uh on social media being a nerd about like volume about symbols vo you know sticks mm -hmm. and you know so what what is your like go-to miking situation for drums and i know it My, changes yeah I, I mean i would say that you know i will change out what mics are doing what jobs maybe or like mm -hmm. change that like oh i've got these preamps on the rooms for this sound i'm going to put those on the overheads mm -hmm. you know i'm going to patch it in different but i'm always just kind of even if i'm doing something minimal in 60s i'll record like a full mic package just so they have right. stereo right. overhead options and stereo rooms mm -hmm. if they need mm -hmm. it you know they think they want mono drums but let's Do not they want mono put drums. them in that but and also yeah. let's not put them in that corner later if exactly. they want to go with something more modern they totally can but i usually do like you know, a kick in, a kick out, a snare top, a snare bottom, uh, rack tom, floor tom, para overheads, para rooms. Usually, like some kind of mid kit trash mic thing, you know, uh -huh. effect kind of thing, either in right. the kit or in the room somewhere. Nice, nice. And then always like a mono overhead, usually like a dynamic mic. And oh, that's yeah, just like the like always having always having a 1960s option. Uh -huh. You know, having an old like EV mic through like an Ampex mm -hmm. preamp just at all times because that's that's such a nice like texture. Even if you're not uh -huh. going for that thing to bring up under the snare and stuff, and yeah, so yeah, so I always kind of record everything, whether or not, just because you never know what they're gonna need, and like I'd always rather have it, and they can just throw them in the recycle bin, you know, like that's right. that's fine. Yeah. Are you processing mostly raw, like no EQ, no or? So I make I make moves on the way into the box EQ wise that are like very like the types of things that every engineer is gonna do. Like what I what I post is just a bounce from my session. That's what I send. Gotcha. Um, so like things like high pass filters, like, yeah, mm -hmm. the kick in is going to have a high pass filter at 40. We don't need mm -hmm. all that super low there. Mm -hmm. No one's ever going to need that. Besides we have a kick out that has all that, you know? Right. Um, the overheads, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to high pass at 50 or 60 just because that's all stuff you don't want. Yep. You know, like just, Oh, these, these are Cole's overheads. They could, they could, everyone's going to add a little 10 K. So I'm just yep. going to go a little plus three, 10 K on an outboard EQ, which is going to sound better anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, like, 
uh, just little stuff. I don't make super big choices because, again, I want Mix Engineer to have as much flexibility as possible. Mm-hmm. So, like, anytime I, like, I, I rarely do, I have outboard compression options, but unless I'm specifically doing, like, a drum loop or a percussion overdub, I don't usually print that on the mm-hmm. way in. Like, I'll either run it back out and reamp through the compressor or... I'll have like, you know, uh, like a bus send that'll also print that file of like, here are the overheads completely bone dry. And uh-huh, then here's nice. with a little comp and stuff on right. them. You know, just so they sound right sitting right. in the track. Yeah. And here's like, if you want to use, and I'll send that as a submix. If you want to use my overhead stem, like with my sounds, if that's going to save you time, amazing. If you want to start from scratch, you can do that too, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I try to send dry and wet kind of overheads in rooms almost always just for that. Because you might have made, some, you know, I'm, if you listen to my stuff, I make some pretty drastic choices that, like, no, usually are awesome. are usually minimized in the mix, whether whether or not sure. like elements not used or like tucked, mm-hmm. and that's totally yep. fine. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's really helpful to know. Um, yeah, it's, it's always good to have, and then you're not painting them in a corner, you know, like they're, they they because if you if you, man, I was really hearing some like pretty heavy eight to one compression on these overheads. There's no undoing that if it's. You know, right. Yeah. If that's what the right. files are, there's no uncompression. You know. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Do you make suggestions like to like you? They've sent you three songs, and maybe it's like the Tame Impala thing or the whatever. And you're like, do you do you do like a hey? If it was me. I would use one kick mic, one snare mic, and the mono overhead or something like that. Or sure. and, you're and usually an I'll engineer, send, maybe, or a mix yeah, engineer. Yeah, and, that's and when I send and when I send stuff to listen to, maybe I'll only send those mics and be like. I've recorded everything, but like, here's, I think it sounds best. Like this, this is kind of more of a DIY kind of sounding thing. It's like, this is really supposed to be like room mics and overhead and kick. Yeah. You know, like, so if here's what that sounds like. Said. And here's everything okay. else, but like, here's yeah. what I would use. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, usually, you know, within the process of talking about what sounds they're going for, there's a, usually a pretty clear way to get there. Yeah. And then I just go like, oh, we want to go, you know, we, we want this to be a real, like a, crap like that you know dap tones kind of thing it's like oh well great like that's going to be minimal mics kind of played quieter high gains you know you, you can start to like reverse engineer that stuff relatively yeah. you know you, you at least can get them pointed in the right direction you get them started correctly you know we just had to cut the camera because the <laughs> camera died but we're doing like a quick rapid fire so what what do you think Neve versus API, or really, what pre are you reaching for? Like, what's your what's your sure. take on that? <laughs> well, it de- depends on the application, but like on the whole, if I was like if I was given you know money and they said like you have to spend this on a console, mm-hmm. and so you're stuck with one. You know, obviously, in a perfect world, having a couple channels of several flavors is really beneficial. Yep. Um, but I mean, I would pick an API console just because. It's, you know, if, if SSL is on the really bright, really modern, really shiny kind of mm-hmm. very solid, you know, solid state logic, mm-hmm. you know, if it's if it's that kind of shiny, shimmery kind of thing, and Neve is like, of the transistor guys, is like the dark, you know, right. kind of kind of warmer thing, API is definitely somewhere in the middle and mm-hmm. can kind of, and does a pretty dang decent job of like mimicking both things. Right. So I think like, if given the choice of like a, a commercial spot, probably an API, and, and specifically like a 90s, like maybe like a legacy, mm-hmm. um, but if I had a house worth of money to buy a console, right. but uh, but like a Neve, I mean, like Neve 1073s and 1081s are just are so stinking good, and they're mm-hmm. they're what they are for a reason, you know. Yeah. Um, I really the, love the sound of a 1073 on snare. It's it, it has snare, like it's a so thing. hard to replace. Right. Like, it just that was the first 
the first like real preamps I bought, you know, mm-hmm. year to decade plus ago, I actually just sold them to a buddy of mine. Um, kind of became the odd man out, but was a pair of Brent Avril 1073, you know, from, from, you know, mid two thousands or something mm-hmm. that just like, I used them on kick in and snare top for a decade and they sound, yeah. they just give you like a density there. There is a thing. And, and like plugins, I mean, an, another things just like all these other, you know, aids and, 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 you know, mm-hmm. uh, tools, Plugins are incredible, but hitting a real circuit is a thing for a reason. Yep. And it's like once you have, if you have access to say like a really good, like a the Universal Audio's 1073 plugin, which is mm-hmm. one of the better ones, right? Absolutely. And if you have access to a to a real unit, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, it's close. It's like 92% right. the same, but that 8% is just, it's all density and clarity. Mm-hmm. Like it just, oh, why does the kick have so much more 60 hertz at the same settings? It's like. Well, there's a gain. There's a real gain structure here that exactly. isn't in a plugin. Yeah, it's, it's the circuits. I mean, all those wires do something, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I have like uh, eight channels of 1073 clone, and then yeah. I just got uh, four channels of real API with Melkor oh, hop amps. There you go. So now I, that, now that'll get you so much. I mean, I I automatically start going to if you had something more aggressive like the API should go on the close mics, mm-hmm. you know, like. Mm-hmm. That, that gives you so many options i mean and that's and that's why owning a console doesn't unless you just love a flavor in particular right you know it's just like i've got you know a couple channels of studer i've got a couple channels of neve clone i've got a couple channels of you know like ua 610 you know like having yeah. a tube option and a neve option and a once you know the 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 15 year accumulation of gear it's mm-hmm. like having kind of a, a, a plethora of things is way beneficial, way more beneficial totally. than having a lot of one thing to to me at least. Mm-hmm. I was looking at some stuff, and I, I think the Neve saturates low end, yes. like quicker before pushing it. That's why I yeah. really like it on my bass mm-hmm. as a flavor. Uh, yeah. But if I'm trying to tighten up the bass because the drums are taking a lot of room, then right. the API thing's super cool, and a lot of them have that right. like three to one switch on it that like right right. It's it like goes yeah. at like multiple transformers or whatever gain drops and you have to you get more of that flavor early on. Um, yeah, when it just has that that kind of API transient, which is just so nice. You know, it's mm-hmm. such a always sits in a mix really nice. Sweet. Well, let's wrap up with um, like a what inspires you? What what do you listen to? What do you what do you go? What gives you rest? Inspires creativity, music, movies, activities. Man, I am. We we're just getting through like the busiest time of my year because I, I am such a psychotic basketball fan. Oh, um, okay. And so we just we we've just ended the period where the finals are about to start, but we just ended the like two games every night that really matter kind uh-huh. of uh-huh. six weeks. So I've been very much like between if if it, you know this last tour was just play the show. Okay, is the game up in the green room? For, <laughs> nice. <laughs> like, are we gonna catch? Are we yeah. gonna catch the second half after the set of the, of the West Coast game after the set? You know, um, it. That, for whatever reason, like, I, I honestly don't listen to too much music, kind of, uh, unless I'm traveling, like on planes, tons of music, you right. know, like, if I'm, I'm, if I'm on the road, mm-hmm. I listen to a bunch of music. But at home, because I, I don't really commute or drive all that much, like, I don't, mm-hmm. I really have, like, I, I my podcast listening ship kind of falls off when I'm at home, too, just because. Same way, dude. I'm just not going places that that's yeah. the thing you do yeah. in the background, you know? Um, but again, you know, uh, that's that's what traveling's for, so that's great. Exactly. Uh, but man, there's something about like we we talk about this as a band constantly. Me and Eli actually, the bass player, talk about this all the time. 
of like the similarities between a basketball team and a and a band mm. where it's like it's it's usually four or five people you know it's a similar amount mm-hmm. of people everybody can't shoot the ball all the time you know it's <laughs> right. like someone's got to play defense someone's got to yeah. rebound mm-hmm. yeah it's like you don't all get to be all-stars like it's yeah. just and it, it's that you know every team has a, a way it's like this is the star player everybody else is in support of this person that's what people mm-hmm. are here to see you know mm-hmm. like so much of that like inner band dynamic it's so funny coming from like playing sports growing up and then ending up in bands and like oh it's the same locker room vibe it's the same. right <laughs> it's yeah. the same like it's the same like everyone's playing great uh, during the show but like oh man dude dude a is getting on my nerves a little bit we've been on the road for a month like we all need to go home you know it's it's that same kind of team when you're on a traveling basketball team that you have to push back against that same stuff and it's yeah uh, so i i there's a the thing i miss the most when i'm not around on the road is just the the camaraderie and the hanging out and stuff and i Mm -hmm. I think for whatever that reason basketball is very like fulfills that in a a weird way for me Mm -hmm. it's just like it's like oh i remember those feelings of like being on a team and you know like and kind of in a new way, I am on a team in a similar totally. fashion. And, right uh, uh, so, yeah, I, I would say weirdly enough, like basketball. And I, it's, I find a way to talk about basketball in every podcast I do, I think. That's perfect, but, man. But that's very much like just – that's what I consume when I'm home if mm-hmm. I'm, you know, like around. That's, you know, if I'm, if I'm setting up for the next day, that'll be what's on the TV in the studio while I'm – Yeah. <laughs> Nick has an awesome stuff, you know? uh, vintage uh, clothes account. A lot of it's sports related. I do. It's called oh, Dad Closet. Yeah, no, he's oh, incredibly successful at it. Actually, <laughs> oh. he tries to be humble, but it's good. I, 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 but it, I think it, like so much of, you know, you find when you're on tour, you find things to kill during the day. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the t- stuff to do, time to kill time, and so you end up in a lot of like you know, music stores, record stores, vintage clothes stores, whatever. Yeah. And I'm just always on the lookout for like. Dude, can I find like an '80s like Lakers warm-up jacket? Like that, <laughs> just like one of these days, I'm gonna find to, all the sports memorabilia I wanted as a kid. I was gonna say, I mean, <laughs> I mean to hit you up. I've got a pretty sweet uh, Van <laughs> Van Drexel <laughs> shirt, uh, oh. the champion. Uh, oh. You remember the old school? Of course. Yeah, we may need to we dude, may need to make that happen. Dude, I, I, we may we may need to make that happen. Especially <laughs> you say, did you uh, did you say Drexler? I'm sorry. Yeah, Van Van Drexler. Oh, uh, oh, Van, Van Exel. Van Exel, that's what yes, it is. I, I would, uh, yeah. Let me know, and I will, I will purchase that shirt. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's some '90s Lakers. I was like 14. Yeah, it's I gotta like, have that. His stuff is very <laughs> like not. Uh, even me just pumping dad closet. <laughs> the, the logo is like in the Lego style dad closet. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm it's super such into a vibe. that. I'm super into that. I collect all the starter <laughs> Apex One. Oh, uh, oh. I love all that stuff, man. Yeah, a starter, buddy, of mine. starter jacket oh. was like. Just thing. You were just handed one in junior high. Did. Just like you were like here, this is your I know nothing about any of this stuff. So oh, this perfect. is great. <laughs> That's the same, but you lived yeah. through it, man. I mean, it's oh, like dude, you, I'm 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 that was my time, man. It's so yeah, it's dude. it's so weird to live long enough to like watch. I mean, it's it's I'm I'm working with all these musicians now that are 20, you know, like doing their, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they're working on their first record or and it's so funny to like the music they refer to without any of the baggage of having been there at the time. Yeah. Where it's yeah. like, <laughs> this person just gets to like an Incubus song. Like, mm-hmm. when I was 17, the guy at the record store told me that wasn't cool and I couldn't like that. You know, it was like, right. it, was so, yeah. Yeah. it was so like 90s kind of high fidelity mm-hmm. record store, store culture was so gatekeeper so around funny. what bands were cool and what were not. Yeah. Which ones weren't? I have no and time for the gatekeeper so f- mentality. 
it's just so funny that like the the Gen Zers, man, they just like I love this Avril Lavigne six eight like the, the you know the six eight uh, yeah. did that the other day where like that was the feel reference was was that I'm with you Avril Lavigne song, and it was like. Oh yeah, they weren't punished with that song for eighteen months in two thousand one. Like they, <laughs> right. they get to just yeah. like that song. Like yeah. it's great, you know. That's it's, that's it's, a, those are funny references actually. Like yeah, somebody's coming great. to you that's, saying yeah. like I gotta sound like Morning oh, View, dude, man. <laughs> well, what it's it's so funny because it's it'll be it's not the things you would assume, and of course everybody you know Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and Floyd, and of course sure, like sure. It, those till the end of time those will be the bands, right? But sure. there there's like. Things that would, you know, that I don't know a better way to put them, like things that would have been like borderline uncool at the time are now being referenced as like, no, we want to do something like this. And there's right. no, that's, that's great. Like appreciate the the tune for what it is, you know, like yeah, not, that's cool. not that everyone was, si- grab. not that everybody was tired of the artist mm-hmm. in 1999 and just didn't like the song for whatever reason, you know, like right. whatever reason we didn't like it at the time, you know? Yeah. Totally. It's, it's such a, 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 it's such an interesting thing to watch pop culture kind of like fold in on itself to where everything is happening uh-huh. at the same time. Uh-huh. Like it was in the 2000s, it was like, oh, 80s synth revival. It was like M83, right. you know, LCD, oh, yeah, you know, all yeah. these. And then like, they're still doing that to excellent, you know, making excellent records, the new M83 mm-hmm. records. Oh, yeah. What I've heard sounds incredible. Um, and they're still doing it, but like now it's happening concurrently to like New Jack Swing is back. And like it's happening right. concurrently to like power trio band. It's just like, Oh, it's just all going to happen at the same time now. That's it needs to way better way. than these yeah. like cycling through decades thing. Like I would say that right. gr- like the grungy garage rock is having such a moment in like yeah, way great. more than that underground mm-hmm. realm. And I'm like, man, that's pretty cool to see. Yeah. yeah, I feel like through the 2000s, grunge became like the ick a little bit. Right, it, right. It was like the played out, like oh, that just happened. Yeah, like so oh, now rock and, something new, rock yeah. and roll dad thing. Yeah. And now I think it's like this new reinvented sound with like, well, yeah, I don't know. And and that's without getting into like the macro politics of the the machine doesn't like grunge because it doesn't sure, like stuff. Right, right. It doesn't yes. want like grunge artists didn't want you to buy new. Like it wasn't about like. At no point were you like, oh, does Eddie Vedder have a Mercedes? I want a Mercedes. Like that, at no point yes. was anyone thinking like that in 93. Yes. And spend right. your money however you want. But it was just like, now it's so, everything is so monetized mm-hmm. that like grunge yeah. is the antithesis. I mean, it's like, there's also not, I mean, like Idols does a really good job of pushing back as much as they can about, you know, being yeah. being as lefty as they are, mm-hmm. uh, which I can appreciate those voices getting a, a, a microphone, you know? But yeah, um, it's, it's so weird to have to operate in this thing where you have to sell tickets and everybody needs to feed their families, but also mm-hmm. there's like a working class aesthetic to it, to yep. just it built into the genre. Like mm-hmm. punk is working class. Yeah. Like, you know, grunge is working class. It's not rich kid. You know, like it's not, that's not, it's kind of the, the kind of the downtrodden outsiders. Totally. You know, Kurt Cobain wasn't the, the you know, uh, football, you know, captain. You know, yeah, just like no, that's, right. he's yeah. the antithesis of that. So like, but the the machine that like puts people on TV, they want celebrities, and that's not mm-hmm. that music mm-hmm. doesn't really. They birth people that hate that shit. So right. you know, it just yeah. it, it uh, it's such an interesting thing to watch bands do the best they can with their kind of to to rationalize their politics with mm-hmm. working with Ticketmaster. You know, like it yeah. just is what it is. Yeah, you play the game as the rules are, but you do your best to not yeah. take advantage of your fans and sure provide value and all that. You know. Yeah, we're at a cool spot in Kentucky where we're 
we're able to watch this kind of outlaw, anti-establishment, whatever country thing kind of mm-hmm. come back and also yeah. not really get radio play or corporate right. support. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm thinking of Tyler Childers, which we're, we're homies with, with his people, um, where it's just like, dude sells out Red Rocks two days in a row for years now, dude. but like is yeah. not the corporate guy you know yeah. and it's awesome well, it was wild it was wild to see like because we did a we did a tour with jason isbell in 2019 we uh-huh. did a, like a, a two-week three-week run so like those dudes are lovely dudes yeah. incredible band we had really great like, on the podcast would, oh jimbo, jimbo i would, would tour with those we would tour with those guys anytime just let us know we'll we'll run it back again anytime yeah uh, cool the they're they're lovely folks but it, it was this like yeah that like jason Chris Stapleton, like this stuff, like mm-hmm. real mm-hmm. country is being made right now. It's just mm-hmm. not totally. on truck commercials. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> and I would like to think that like, you know, there are people, you know, like there's a, like Nick Cave sells sheds. He's out playing 7,000 caps and like completely off the like mainstream radar. Mm-hmm. And that that's like, just make stuff you believe in and invest in your fan base. You don't need the machine. You know, yeah. like you, you, you yeah. have to coexist with it from time to time at festivals and stuff. Sure. But like, just invest into your, you know? Yeah. Just, that's, that's, that's the best way forward is just to like, get a good handle on what you do and invest into it. Mm-hmm. And obviously and the like, internet you know, has been it, the Isabel has been, absolutely, it, it's the democratizer it, yeah. for good and bad, you know? Like, it lets yeah. us it, do this. I was going to say, scary but good. This. <laughs> you know? it, it, it's the death of expertise, which is a bummer. Yeah. Right. Uh, but it's also the like, everyone has, you know, it's, it's, it's more equal opportunity than it was before when you oh, needed, right. you know, cause when you needed a $1,500 a day studio to record anything, mm-hmm. you know, in 1988, like that's, so now it's like the stuff you can make with an interface in your bedroom is insane now. It's, uh-huh. And, yeah. and, and financially viable clearly. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. it's, you know, <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm happy that there are, there's a lot more stuff to sift through because there's just a lot more, mm-hmm. but it clearly more good music is being made than probably ever before, you know, it's mm-hmm. just because there's just so totally. much of it. Totally. Yeah, but I agree. Just how do, you, how do you, how do you find your thing and keep your head down and help yep. people find you and all that, yeah. you know, not get stuck in the traps or the drama or the, yeah, like, get, just, get, just make your art and be good and keep your head down, cool. make the stuff you like. Don't yep. worry what other people like. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's an awesome note to end on. Dude, we super, super appreciate uh, yes. your oh, time. Thanks for having me. We're really honored by it. Um, yeah. Do you got anything you're pumping right now? Obviously, great Instagram follow. Uh, you know, just, just come hang out there. And then I'm, I'm working on a kind of 1960s approach kind of class right now. But that'll nice. be out in a couple months. But yeah, other than you have that, great just, drum courses. I have just kind of lessons. Available. Yeah. Yeah, through the link on my on my bio, they're on they're on Vimeo, so you can stream them wherever and kind of kind of made to be listened to on a computer with monitors if you mm-hmm. have it, you know. Um, but just yeah, doing doing the best I can at like videotaping a lesson, mm-hmm. you know, and having like some kind of curriculum and and trying to do a lot of like I need to do one sometime soon here, but trying to do a lot of Q A Q and A so I can kind of have a good feel for like what people are struggling with or like what if i get a bunch of questions on one thing it's like i was getting a lot of dms about like dude how are you getting that overhead sound it's like oh i need to make Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like a thing about how i approach Mm -hmm. in this way or whatnot so we gotta make a master class uh bass recording and it's just like a two second like 
plug it in. Yeah, plug <laughs> plug it into anything. Plug it into anything. The DI passing sound. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is the weirdest. It's one of those like. It's this one of the strangest recording instruments because it's the easiest thing in the world to comp. Couldn't mm-hmm. be easier to comp yep. bass yep. together. Whereas yep. it, for, with a good player, obviously who's playing sure. consistently and stuff. Um, but like, yeah, tonally you would. It's one of those things you kind of feel like it's it's it just is what it is. But then mm-hmm. you hear the the variations that end up on records. It's like oh, there are right. thousands of potential bass sounds. Right. Mm-hmm. That it's like. But in your yeah, in my brain, bass is just plugging a P bass into a DI. You know? <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah, and there, yeah, there's but, a place for that. Uh, and but then it can honestly, lots, you know? lots of places for that in pop yeah. culture. Yeah, um, and there's something beautiful around like just learning that and and spending time on a P bass plugged into something to then be like, okay, well, this flavor is maybe more me. Maybe it's a jazz bass. Maybe it's a whatever. Yeah. Like that is that is super important, but especially if you're a recording guy, you definitely have to have one because yeah. someone who's really particular will say, "I better hear a P bass." There are there are every guitar player needs a Telecaster option. Every right. bass player mm-hmm. needs a needs a, a yeah. P bass. Yeah, like well, ba- bass you guys have it the easiest because it really is like if you have something hollow body, you know, semi uh-huh. hollow body, maybe you yeah. have a P bass, you have something maybe short scale with flat wounds. That's kind of the sounds, man. You're like you're yeah. covering ninety nine percent of stuff yeah. with those three instruments. You know, like yep. it's whereas drums, it's like uh, you know the, the drum equivalent is like everyone needs a Ludwig Superphonic snare drum or an mm-hmm. Acrolyte. That's just one everyone should have. It's it's yeah. like having Yamaha NS tens. They're just industry right. standard. They're right, everywhere. People, yeah, people people know what it is. It does the yep. thing that you need mm-hmm. it to do. It's 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 this it's the drum version of a P bass. It's just like yep. everyone needs an aluminum shell sixties yep. Ludwig. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And that aesthetic too. It's it's just it's the same thing. It's we need it to be like the studios, but you mm-hmm. convenience of you recording it at your house. Like so you have to right. you have to pander's not the right word, but like it's a standard for a reason and people want mm-hmm. that and they're referencing records with that. So you just oh, you have to have it. I mean, it's the same like a, you know, a, a Superphonics probably on like 38% of the music ever recorded, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like a P bass mm-hmm. is probably on 70. I mean, like, let's be honest, like, it's probably yeah. the base on most things, you know, like, yeah. 50. It like, no number out of fashion, yeah. for sure. No number would shock me, you know. The th- totally. Yeah, the thing is, like, you still, I love watching all these, like, great album, uh, you know, ser- you know, any of those, like, the making of Dark Side, yeah. and they have the, they yeah. have the mm-hmm. multi-track, and they solo stuff. Anytime they show footage, even in the 80s, when it wasn't, you know, everyone was going to active bases and stuff, you watch, like, you, you, watch something with Bob Rock producing, it's like, oh, that's a P-Bass. There's a P-Bass. <laughs> it's, like, it's like they were yep. still, those Def Leppard's records, still yep. a P-Bass. Yep, yep, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> it just does the thing. It does the right thing. It's, and and I, nothing I always else. Think it's, I always loved the thought, it's something else we talk about amongst ourselves all the time, is like, is it that the, the P-Bass is the most versatile, or is that just what our brains have heard so much that that is the default bass sound? It it's is, like, it's, it is it's a chicken American or the music egg. has been built yeah, on... Catch, Catch Fender. 22, you know, like, yeah, is it, do we love it because it's everywhere or is it, it's everywhere because we love it, you know? Yeah. Li- yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely, um, uh, the music aesthetic ever since Fender has yeah. revolved around the tones that came out of that. Yeah. It's wild, so like everything they, else were conformed to when it. When they hit so many home runs er, yeah. initially, like, mm-hmm. sure. Like a, they got the P-Bass pretty quick. I mean, the telly and the Strat. Yeah. I mean, they, they got to, 
there's not a lot of like evolutionary links before those. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, mm-hmm. dang, Leo just hit three home runs straight out the gate, man. Yeah, <laughs> and now he doesn't have to do anything else ever again. <laughs> no, his. Uh, I mean, he did been... do some other stuff, but he just he did. Yeah, he did. I, I know I know some dudes who live and swear by you know live and die by those GNLs. So yeah, they oh yeah, they're cool. especially, especially especially those '90s ones are supposedly like yeah. I do want some of the big. Uh, it's like a take on or it's like a double Music Man style pickup. Those are those are cool. Yeah, those are yeah. as long as it's, it's got that active passive switch. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I want to turn yeah, it off that's... every time someone asks me to turn it off. Yeah. Oh, you, you don't. You don't like all the like 10k that active bases add? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't like that's carrying so around bright. a battery. That that almost oh, uh, that. irks me more than more than anything else. <laughs> Got to yeah. unplug. Uh, uh, hey guys, uh, one, my one base just thing, died. One more thing that can go bad. Great. Exactly. Like I got to minimize that. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much again. This has been an amazing yeah. conversation. We appreciate you and uh, Thank you. Thanks yeah, for having me. We'll see you guys next time.